Scene 2. The Odd Party. Gorsline Mill at High Falls, town of Rochester, in the English Lordship of Vinland. Tuesday. Lauds. Dawn, 18th of April, 1284, eve of the feast of St. Alphea, bishop and martyr. A beautiful human rogue folds her arms in a huff. She has long, straight black hair, leather armor, and plenty of daggers strapped about her hip, arms, and legs. Losing patience, she complains. So what are we doing here? I think it's about time you started sharing some information with us, Mr. Silence Do Good. You've been a little too tight-lipped about this whole operation for my liking. Benjamin Franklin smiles. You know what they say. Well done is better than well said. Well said, Mr. Silence, replies the snarky rogue. She is also the leader of the party. A half-goblin cleric agrees with the pretty young rogue. Silence can be a virtue, but the line between virtue and vice is growing thinner. We are starting to get the impression that you are not so much here to help us as to spy on us. You are obviously the prophet in this party of adventurers, brother. What's your name? The half-goblin cleric makes a loud blowing sound with his wide, greenish-red lips and says, Brother? I'm a much higher level cleric than a brother. My name changes with every monastery I get kicked out of, but you may address me as Monsignor Oscar Meyer. Well then, Monsignor Meyer, how about lunch? Benjamin Franklin opens up a sack and hands out trenchers of bread, cold meats, and small wheels of cheese to the party of adventurers. The relaxed environment and the scenic view strike up some lively chitter-chatter between a dark elf magic halter and a human fighter. Together with the human rogue and the half-goblin cleric, they make up the party of adventurers that Amherst sent to assassinate the last surviving heir to the throne of Fort Duquesne. Amid the din of the waterfalls and grist mills behind them, Benjamin Franklin talks over their chit-chatting in an assertive but discreet voice. He announces, My secrecy is for your own safety. Three can keep a secret as long as two of them are dead. I intend to keep you all alive. It is of utmost importance to your success, and, indeed, to your survival, that curious ears do not hear the details of your quest. Hey, it's your quest, too, butts in the dark elf magic holder. Dressed like a pirate with a bandana on his head, a bright red sash, puffy black pants, and tall leather boots that fold over at the knees, he carries an assortment of knives wide enough to make him look like a wandering cutlery salesman and holsters a magical wand. Our success is your success. That's what being a party of adventurers is all about. Benjamin Franklin replies, Not really. I'm mostly here to spy on you, as Monsignor Meyer so accurately prophesied. The last time my patron gave you a quest, you took about three years too long and came back with nothing but an amulet, rather unconvincing evidence that you had accomplished the task successfully. Nevertheless, he paid you for your services in full. If you fooled him once, shame on you, but if you fool him twice, shame on him. I am here to make sure you get the job done with no excuses. If I don't return to vouch for you, no reward. Understood? All of a sudden, the party of adventurers gets significantly less chatty. Benjamin Franklin appreciates their undivided attention and continues. It is supposed that you don't know anything about the quest giver. If you stumble upon any hints about his identity, please practice every diligence in feigning ignorance. The job is extremely dangerous and extremely important. Any foul-ups would cause a fury and a menace like, Yeah, 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 interrupts the beautiful rogue. We know the spiel. Just cut to the chase. Benjamin Franklin straightens himself up and says, All right. A special sword was deposited in a Templar safe deposit box, but the thief stole the deposit slip. Our patron needs us to recover that sword before the thief does.
The fighter in the party has long white hair and a well-trimmed white beard. He is equipped with heavy chain mail, a brimmed chapelle de fur steel hat, and a steel-rimmed heater shield. A heavy, winged mace clings to his belt along with his arming sword and war dagger. He says, You don't have to play those games with us. Our regard for the law is neutral. We don't mind stealing a sword from the Knights Templar vaults before the real owner gets it first. Not at all. I meant what I said, counters Benjamin Franklin. The safe deposit slip has been stolen, and your job is to recover the sword for the true owner before the thief can use the stolen safe deposit slip to lawfully steal the sword. We have several ways to do this. One, we could counterfeit a fake safe deposit slip, or two, we could break into the vault and take it for ourselves. What do we know about the thief? asks the beautiful rogue. He points to her and says, Hey, you, why don't you give me a name so I can address you properly? Hey, you is fine with me. Proper is not my thing these days. Did I mention that you get no reward if I don't feel like I can vouch for you at the end of this quest? She rolls her eyes. Let's go with Ariel. Okay, Miss Ariel, to answer your question about the thief, we know practically nothing. The owners of the safe deposit slip caught a glimpse of her as she was jumping out the window. She was the size of a human child and had large blonde curls. They have codenamed her Goldilocks. Are you sure the thief is even human, or are you just assuming? asks the piratey dark elf. I mean, dark elves sometimes have blonde curly hair, just saying. Possible, but extremely unlikely, replies Benjamin Franklin. Now, may I ask your name, Sir Elf? How about Yeehaw? Oh, wait, that's too obvious. Uh, I've got a better one. Whoopee! My name is Whoopee. Like the sound of that. Benjamin Franklin rubs his brow. Do you expect anyone to take you seriously with a name like that? Well, no, but if you've got a name like Moneybags or Mountain of Gold, people take you too seriously. So I'm sticking with Whoopee, thank you. All right then, Whoopee. My guess is that Goldilocks is just some poor, innocent, helpless girl that the real crooks pressured into doing their dirty work for them. Speaking of which, Miss Ariel, we'll use your good looks to avoid suspicion. Can you put on an innocent, helpless girl act? She snarls. That's me, innocent and sweet. Okay, great. Like I said, you just need to pretend, Miss Ariel. I don't mean to presume there is anything innocent sweet about you. Your role will be to create an account with the Templars and store an item in one of their safe deposit boxes. First off, an authentic deposit slip will serve as a template for counterfeiting one of our own. And second, creating the chance to walk through the vaults will allow us to map it out so we can figure out which safe deposit box we need to crack, if need be. You could tell them you inherited a few gold bars and will need to put them somewhere for safekeeping. The white-haired fighter asks in a loud voice, And when do we come back to get the gold bars? Never, replies Benjamin Franklin. I purchased a few pyrite-coated lead bars on the way. They should be the right color and weight to pass off as gold. The white-haired fighter objects. Mr. Dugood, pyrite is fool's gold. Templar bankers are no fools. Benjamin Franklin is not the least bothered by the objection. He replies to the old fighter with a confident tone. Then just leave the bars in the sack. Bankers don't ask questions. It's their job. What's your name anyway, old man? Willis. The dark elf whines. Willis, we're supposed to be using code names. Now he knows your real name. He didn't know that until you told him. He would have thought Willis wasn't my real name. Benjamin Franklin interrupts their little side spat and says, All right, whatever. Sir Willis, you and I are going to... Please, please, please. Willis halts him in mid-sentence. I am not a knight, just a champion. You can call me Willis the champion or just plain old Willis, but none of this sir stuff. 
Okay, Willis the champion, as I was saying, you and I- On second thought, let's just keep it to Willis. The whole champion thing is for special occasions only. Fine, fine. Willis it is. So you and I- And don't call me Miss Ariel. It's just Ariel. I'm not fond of getting confined in ladylike society. Benjamin Franklin pauses for a deep breath and asks, Anyone else have comments about names or characters before we proceed? He looks around. All project innocence at the disruptions. Okay, if that's all settled, then let's continue with the heist. Willis, you and I will pose as Knight's Paladin passing by on a holy quest. We recently lost track of a necromancer who claims to have purchased his sword from a thief who stole it from the Templar vault. Willis asks, Why would a necromancer need a sword? They usually stick to rune-inlaid staves and enchanted daggers. It's a flaming sword. Willis objects again. Sorry, buddy, but I've been in this business a lot longer than you have. Flaming swords are for guys like me to fight the undead, not for necromancers who want to reanimate them. This sword does black flame. The dark elf looks at him suspiciously. Are you making this up? If this story gets too far-fetched, they won't believe us. Getting them to believe the story is my job. Your job will be to follow the Templar vault keeper back into the vaults and stay hidden. The Dark Elf notes, Hey you, I've got news. They don't let nobody back there. It's called security. Benjamin Franklin looks at the Dark Elf, then points to the half-goblin cleric. The other half of his family is dwarf. His shoulders are massive, but his gut is trim. A goblin dwarf that wide should have a paunch belly. You will go in as the cleric's belly. Willis jumps in. Wait, that's brilliant. Use their own security measures against them. Templars believe outhouses are a security threat, so they dig cesspits for their privies indoors. Monsignor Meyer can just say he needs to use the privy, and Whoopi can jump out and hide in the cesspit all day. What you talking about, Willis? snaps Whoopi. Benjamin Franklin works up emotion as he thrills about the genius of the plan. Yes, that's it. After you jump off, Whoopi, we'll inflate a leather wineskin to replace the paunch belly. The Dark Elf says, No way! Your plan stinks! Monsignor Meyer adds, It won't work. The privy's in the dungeon. He'll be trapped behind prison bars. Benjamin Franklin hands Whoopi a wire with a wooden handle at each end. Unwind the wooden handle like this. Slip the wire around any bolts or bars, and then just keep working it back and forth. This wire will cut through just about anything eventually. Ariel says, if the Templars find their dungeon cut open, they'll lock down the fort until they find him. Benjamin Franklin looks at her with penetrating eyes. They won't find him. It's our good fortune that the Thieves' Guild has already constructed a tunnel most of the way into the fort, and we're willing to sell us some access to it. Once we've located the safe deposit box, all we have to do is pick the lock and break out through the tunnel. Ariel, you up for picking Templar locks? Ariel purses her lips. Yeah, with the right tools. Whoopi says, I object to my role in this. Willis replies, Welcome to the party, pal. Sorry, team, but the water clock is dripping. We start tomorrow at first light. Tomorrow? I, I need to know what kind of lock it is and get the right tools to crack it. It will take all day today just to find places that sell this kind of equipment. Then I'd need another day to test it out. Benjamin Franklin raises a finger. Never leave for tomorrow what you can do today. Ariel cannot believe all the aphorisms. She tries to make her point. That's what I'm saying. I can't get it all done today. I need both today and tomorrow. One today is worth two tomorrows. Use your downtime to fill the gaps, but we start tomorrow. Look, good thief tools are expensive, and I don't have that kind of money on me. 
Benjamin Franklin puts an end to the excuses. Then borrow it from the Templar Bank.